Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. It's Easter morning. Uh, the most glorious of days. It's the day upon which all other days hang. This is the day upon which our very lives hang. Because if what the angels, those two men dressed in dazzling apparel, as Luke puts it, makes me think of Liberace or something like that. <laughs> but if those two angels, if what they said to the women that morning 2,000 years ago is true, then everything changes. If that tomb was in fact empty, then everything we think we know about the world changes. We're talking about a person rising from the dead. Rising from the dead. Jesus was in the grave for three days. He was good and dead. And lots of people witnessed his death. In fact, it's one of the two events that all scholars, whether Christian or non, agree happened. The first one is that Jesus was actually baptized by a man named John. And the second was that he was crucified on a cross under the prefect Pontius Pilate. They all agree on these things. Everybody agrees that Jesus really lived and that he really died. And we have this testimony today on Easter, this first sermon about the resurrection from these angels to these regular women, that he rose again, fully alive, fully well. After three days, he came back to life and walked out of his grave. And I wonder, have you ever really thought about what that means for you? Why Jesus' resurrection matters? It's one of those things that I think we often just sail right by uh, in our lives. We don't often let it sink in, the gravity of this uh, thing that we are hearing today. We go to church on Easter because that's what you do. It's what my parents did with me. They took me to church on Easter, right? So I bring my kids to church with me on Easter. It's the right thing to do, we think. It's tradition. But Jesus' resurrection often just kind of unconsciously slips into being just an encouraging story that makes us feel good about ourselves or uh, about uh, our situation. We don't sit long enough and let it sink in. And I think it's important to note on this day that what we're talking about is crazy. I mean, this is crazy stuff. A Jewish man was crucified on a cross by the Romans 2,000 years ago. That part isn't crazy. That actually happened a lot. But after three days in the grave, this person rose from the dead. And not just any man. We're talking about God incarnate, God in the flesh, right? As Joan Osborne saying, what if God was one of us? Well, this is him as one of us. You know, all the objections that anyone could have against Christianity in the Bible, you know, they just can't be literally true. This should be the biggest one. Someone might say to you, I can't believe that, you know, the story of Noah really happened. Do you really think that happened? You know, this guy built a huge boat in the middle of the desert, and two animals of every kind came and got in that boat. Really? Do you think that really happened? You know, or they might say, oh, Jonah. 
You've got to be kidding me. I don't think that a real guy was swallowed by a huge fish and survived it. These are the objections that people often lay before us. They've certainly laid them to me. And I like to say, this always throws them off, I like to say, that's not the craziest thing we believe. That is not the craziest thing we believe as Christians. The crazy thing is that God himself came to earth, lived as one of us, died on a cross for our sin, and then rose from the dead. Jesus is always the most amazing thing about our faith. He is the most amazing thing about Christianity without a doubt. The angels say he is not here, he has risen. If that really happened, then anything else is possible. The rest of the Bible is easy to believe. If you believe that God himself came and lived and died and rose again from the dead. But again, what does this mean for you and me? You know, in other words, who cares about the resurrection? Well, it's quite simple. Uh, Dead people. Dead people care about the resurrection. I know, it's obvious, right? You guys didn't think you were going to hear such obvious stuff on Easter, but hey. Easter is good news for dead people. They are the ones that care about resurrection. They're the ones who need to be raised up again, to be given back what they had lost, which is life itself. Now, you might be thinking, what does this have to do with me? Because I am very clearly alive sitting here listening to you, Sean. But the truth is, every single one of us know death. Every single one of us has already experienced it in life already, even if we're very young. You've lost a loved one. You've had to say goodbye to someone because of death. Something, someone, we all have. None of us are immune to the effects of it. None of us have escaped death, and none of us will escape it. You know that old Ben Franklin quote, right? There are only two certainties in life, death and taxes. Thank you. We've all made it through tax season this year. Thank God Uh, we're sitting here. But uh, we still have to contend with death. It is truly public enemy number one. We spend tons of time and money trying to avoid it, if you think about it. Just think of our health care costs, right? That's a hot topic right now, and I'm not going to get into the politics of it. But uh, we in the U.S. spend more on health care than almost anybody else in the world. Trillions of dollars every year. Or think of all the gyms popping up around Mount Pleasant, right? It's like you can throw a rock and hit a new gym that's just opened up. I get flyers put in my you know, windshield washers all the time about this new gym where I need to go and uh, finally get my life together. You know, everybody's out there working their butts off trying to stay healthy, trying to fend off age. You know, trying to avoid death. Welcome to Mount Pleasant. It's the land of gyms and storage units. I belong to Crunch, by the way. That's my gym. So anyway, just so you know. Um, Or you uh, you can look at our cars, right? Think of our cars now. They are so full of airbags that we're basically wrapping ourselves in bubble wrap for when we run into something. You know, we're trying to protect ourselves. And they're so packed with technology 
that eventually they're just going to do the driving themselves so that we stop accidentally killing ourselves. I mean, that's what we're doing. This is where we're headed. We're trying to avoid death. And it's because we all know that death is wrong. We all do. You don't have to be explained that. We don't like it. We don't want it. We know that this is not the way that it should be. Just go watch Our Planet on Netflix, okay? I was watching it last night, and it is stunningly beautiful, Our Planet. But I challenge you to tell me what you're feeling when the little flamingo chick is struggling to make it across the hot desert, and you know what its fate is going to be. It's terribly sad. It is. I had a moment last night. I was watching this tiny little flamingo, and I was tearing up anyhow. But it's this reality that we know. That no matter what it is, when we see life ending, we think that's wrong. We hate death, and we want death to stop. But we also know that we don't have the power to stop it. No matter how many times I go to crunch every week, I'm not going to stop myself from death. I'm probably going to accelerate it, anyhow. (laughs) But... The Bible tells us that it's actually worse than we think. It tells us that we don't just know death on a physical level, but that we actually know it on a spiritual level too. In fact, the physical depends on the spiritual. We've been born into spiritual death. David very famously wrote in Psalm 51, I was brought forth in iniquity, And in sin did my mother conceive me. He's not referring to the manner in which he was conceived, but he is referring to the fact that he was conceived into brokenness, into the fallenness of humanity. He was born into death. And Paul, along with many of the New Testament writers, echo David, saying that we are dead in our trespasses. Paul explains that sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all people because all sinned. Physical death happens because of spiritual deadness. Because of our sin. And you already all know this also. Because all sin is really uh, is our inability to love the way that we should. Jesus sums up what we should do. It's otherwise called the law in the, in the Bible. And he sums it up saying, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the requirement for being spiritually alive. You know, just love God and love your neighbor and yourself the way that you should. Perfectly. With all of your being. Problem is, is we don't. We know this. We can't. Most of, if not all of, the pain and suffering in our lives comes from broken relationships. The fact that we don't love the way that we should. We certainly are not devoted to God the way that Jesus says. The way he demands, do you love God with all your heart, soul, and strength all the time? Have you ever put anything in your life 
ahead of your relationship with God? Only in the last 10 minutes, you know? I mean, I'm confessing that to you. I do it all the time. Or do you love your neighbor as yourself? And let's just think, let's not get to our neighbors. Let's talk about our families, all right? Let's get really messy, and we'll talk about our families instead of our neighbors. Can you even love your family the way that you should? Have you ever lost patience with your spouse? Only in the last 10 minutes, right? (laughs) Have you ever fought with one of your family members? Only on the way to church. Um, Have you ever yelled at your kids? Or kids, have you ever disobeyed your parents? I only did when they didn't know about it. Um, We won't even get to our actual neighbors because we can't even love our families. The people that that we're supposed to love all the time automatically. Our neighbors don't even stand a chance. You know, or think about yourself, okay? We often say very flippantly, oh, we're all so selfish, that that's our problem. That's true. There's, you know, selfishness is real. But can you even love yourself the way that you should? Have you ever eaten anything unhealthy for your body? It's Easter and we live in the South, all right? So the answer is (laughs) yes. We are all going to go be unhealthy after this, I'm sure, and eat something that's not very good for us. Um, You know, but don't worry, there's a new gym popping up right next to your house. (laughs) So just go there and you can work off the fried food. Or how about this, have you ever devalued yourself? Have you ever beat yourself up? I mean, what's your inner monologue like? When you make a mistake, have you ever said, ah, you're such an idiot, you did it again. I can't believe you. Again, this is just my inner recording. Don't worry. Uh, If that's not you, praise God. But um, this is why our therapists get paid so much, frankly. Because we don't love our families the way we should, and we don't love ourselves the way that we should. You know, we all need our Stuart Smalley pep talk from Saturday Night Live. You guys remember Stuart Smalley? We look ourselves in the mirror and we say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. You know, it's funny because we know how dark it can get. We know that we have a hard time saying those very things. These are all examples of us experiencing spiritual death. The fact that we are broken. The fact that we don't love the way we should. We don't have life within ourselves when we're left alone. We actually cannot produce the love that we need and the love that others need. This is why Easter matters. This is why resurrection matters. This is why we care about what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. And we're sitting here on the other side of the world remembering this Jewish man who died on a cross and walked out of his grave. This is why those women, what they heard from the angels that day is such good news. Because we are all faced with death. You probably right now know somebody in your life who is sick. And who's dealing with serious illness. This is why resurrection matters. This is why Easter is so important for us. For humans. We all say that we're frail. We all say that we're imperfect. What that really means is that we're all actually going to die. 
But there's good news. The angels say, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful people, be crucified, and on the third day rise. The angels tell the women that this is exactly what Jesus was going to do. This is what he told you he was going to do. This is why he came. He came to conquer death for you. He came to save you from spiritual death first and certainly physical death. This is what grace is. This is what mercy is. It's a person. It's Jesus Christ. That's what grace is. Jesus comes to each one of us. He sees our brokenness. He sees the pain that we have suffered or that we are suffering. He sees the pain that we have caused others. He sees all of it. And do you know what he does, it, does with it? He takes it. He takes it. He takes it upon himself. And he says, this is no longer yours. This is mine. He takes our sin, our brokenness, our pain, and he takes it upon himself, and he takes it with him into that tomb. That's why this weekend is so powerful. Good Friday and Passover and today. Because Jesus has taken all of it into the grave with him so that it would die forever. That's the amazing, crazy thing about Easter. That Jesus Christ has put death to death for us. That's the promise of today for each one of us. It's the promise for our loved ones who might be sick right now. It's the promise for those that we've already lost. Jesus has taken our sin and its effects to the grave so that we might live. And he walked right out of that grave. I want you to hear that. Death had no power over him. He is life itself. That's how the Bible starts. That God spoke everything into existence. With just his words, he was able to make everything happen. This is the God that comes and goes to death for us. And this is the God that walks out of that grave. Because death has no power over him. He is life itself. And when he speaks, it happens. And I've been given the authority as an ordained minister in his church and as an ordained minister of his gospel to speak his words to you. To speak his words over you today. These are not my words. These are the words of the living God who walked out of that grave 2,000 years ago. His words today to you are, you are forgiven. I forgive you. I have set you free from sin. I've taken it. It's mine. You can let it go to me. I've set you free from condemnation. I give you life. I give you life. That is his promise to you today. Those are the words of the Lord. Not mine, they are his. And that awesome promise, he actually tells us this in John's gospel. 
He says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And He has told you today that you are free in Him. He is your hope. He is the promise. That the death has, death has no more power over you because of Jesus Christ. You are free indeed. Hold on to that today. Take it for your own. It's a free gift. Take it. It's yours. Believe in him. And know that death is not the end of the story. That new life is the promise for each one of us. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.